0: welcome 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 to another episode of small talk no more i'm alex and today i've got seb white joining me uh, for this episode uh, seb is a freelance music supervisor uh, hello seb
1: Hi hey, alex thanks so much for having me
0: now thanks so much for making some time for the interview. Um, would you like just to kick it off and just explain who Seb is and what your experience is?
1: Sure, um, so I am Seb. Uh, I am a <laughs> freelance music supervisor at Motherlode Music. Um, we collaborate with a handful of other music supervision agencies as well as focusing on some of our own projects which mm-hmm. cater more towards independent production companies and smaller agencies and providing them with some guidance across any element of audio that they need help with um, and help them find like a unique sound in a crowded market. Uh, mm-hmm. I previously uh, worked with Chord Worldwide for about three years, working as their music supervisor. Um, mm-hmm. And we worked across a wide range of uh, the sync business, from advertising to TV and sonic branding, mm-hmm. and even video games, soundtracks and trailers. Um, so uh, that's a brief introduction to, to me and what I do. Okay. Um. Actually, before we start, I just came up with a
0: question. So do you think there's, for small, smaller businesses, there's a bit of um, an education process when it comes to selecting music? Is, is there a point where you actually need to convince them and, and work hard to convince them um, that music needs to be of good quality in order to actually portray the brand in the best way is is there a bit of an education process when you're dealing with with clients that are probably you know maybe starting now with with them using music as part of the branding
1: you know that's a a really good question um i i, I I'd, I'd like to think not uh that, that i think lots of people know that music is an extremely important tool in mm-hmm. marketing their their brand and their their business um but it is a uh, you know criminally underfunded a lot of the time so sometimes mm-hmm. it is worth talking and educating people uh to just how much music costs because i think there is a lot of people that don't understand uh just how much it can cost mm-hmm. to get something yep. unique and of the highest quality and uh but but most of the time You'll never see someone overlook music. It often feels like people have to settle, uh, and I don't like it when people have to settle for anything less than they, what they want. yeah no, go okay, far enough. um cool, so let's um kick it off with
0: a quick uh, icebreaker game, so we' we'll yeah, always sure. start the interviews with this so uh short questions with um short answers, and that way we can get to know more about Seb as a person um, yeah, I like sure. this. Yeah, I am. Uh, let's go. Cool. Let, let's get started. So, what's your favorite song or album?
1: Oof, immediately, uh, immediately a tricky question. Um, <laughs> I've been re-listening to one of my favorite albums, and I guess you could probably consider it my favorite album. So I'll just stick with that. With uh, the Avalanche's "Since I Left You," it's mm. uh, it's so good. It's just like a musical collage of like over three thousand samples, wow. uh, and. It's just a totally irreplicable, kaleidoscopic sound. I absolutely love it. And for anyone that's interested in sample clearances, Mm -hmm. it's a a truly lightning in a bottle situation. I don't think anything like it could be made now because it would just cost so much to clear 3,000 samples to piece together. (laughs) Um, So definitely worth checking out. Probably my favorite album of all time
0: nice uh talking about favorites Was your favorite show uh netflix show from last year uh
1: i think it ended last year i think it was at the very beginning of last year um bojack horseman's final season was uh excellent it was the final few episodes i think they released in january um and it's just such a perfect show it is uh the Sopranos of adult Adam <laughs> animation, nice. I'd say. It's, it's just so damn good.
0: Nice. I'll have to check it out. I actually have never had Netflix. Really? Um, but last year, you know, but with a bit of time and trying to use an excuse not to be on my laptop at 12 a.m., um, I kind of was leeching Netflix out of one of my mates, so I'll. Uh, <laughs> You're one of those. You're one <laughs> yeah, of those. Yeah, guys. I'm one right of those. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I might just, uh, as long as I got the password, I'm just going to go in and, and go watch that show now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, definitely give it a go. Um. What What streaming service or what kind of uh, uh, uh shows were you watching last year? Then, if you had no Netflix. Um.
0: How'd I mention? just never watch TV, man. I'm one of those old people. I. I. I just read books. I. I play uh, video games I'm jealous I, of that my, my i', do, I do is like ticked. my games you know um and I play with my mates online and you know it's a way of at least like, like, socializing yeah yeah but i don't i don't like staying alone watching the screen i like you know if I'm watching the screen i, I, I you know I'm reading a book. you want to be interactive games, but, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah
1: um but you know
0: uh enough about me what's your favorite <laughs> superhero <laughs>
1: um spider-man spider-man was always my favorite um I used to love the x- men as well but uh, mm. My mum, when I was younger, even painted a, a mural of Spider-Man on my uh, childhood bedroom nice. wall. Um, so I'm that big a fan of Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: wow. But what what's about Spider-Man? I think it was just because
1: he was a kid, you know? When, when like, I was watching it, he, like, I was obviously a child as well, but he was, like, a teenager that got given all this responsibility. Great power, it. great responsibility. Yeah. Um. It's just also something uh, you never you never really expect it to be a cool power as well. When you look at spiders, spiders kind of like creep you out and they're mm. like kind of horrible things. Um yeah. And Spider Man was just like having the powers of a spider to like swing and climb walls. I was just like, that's, that's quite str-. like, it was just something that would never really crossed my mind before. But obviously, like super strength and like super speed. Yeah. Um, That you can kind of picture that already. Um, mm. But yeah, just, just actually imagining being able to climb walls and swing around the city and stuff is pretty amazing. Interesting.
0: I don't know. I, I never was very into Spider Man. I, I remember being a kid and watching the series, the cartoons, and the fact that he did not really produce any spider web, Like, he actually had to go and make it himself. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, like, this is not real spider, really. Like, yeah, you can climb, but, you know, yeah, why don't yeah. we just but, use the left? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, to be fair, again, that's, like, another thing of a, uh, it's quite a good message. It's just, like, it, it was cool to be a nerd. It was cool to be a science nerd, which I was never any good at science, but, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, they made Peter Parker, like, a, a nerdy kid. Seem pretty mm. damn cool and like using his knowledge to his to his strength. Like I, th- yeah. I thought it was yeah, pretty 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 great. Nice. Okay.
0: Um, then let's talk about music. What's an artist that you discovered last year?
1: Um, Wesley Joseph is probably my favorite discovery of last year. Um, mm. He's definitely one to watch, and he only has like three tracks out right now on Spotify oh, wow. and stuff. Um his track Ghostin was the one that like l- led me onto him, that put me onto his his mm-hmm. work. And that was produced by Joy Orbison, the um electronic music uh mm-hmm. maestro. Um and it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Um so nice. if you're if you're gonna check out any of his work, check out Ghostin'. It's uh absolutely. it's amazing.
0: No, oh, that's cool. Man. Um, and then um, let's uh, have a bit of a difficult choice. So between time, money and music, you get to keep two and the other one you can never have.
1: Now that is real tough. Um, I, I've come to appreciate time a bit more over lockdown. Mm. Um and like having a little bit of a slower pace of life and getting to focus on yourself a bit more but you know music is my passion and (laughs) money you need to survive keep going provide for a family that you hope to have one day or like provide for yourself um so i go with money and music but i think if you've got music and money and music is helping create that money um, and you're spending all your time doing music, and if you love music and you're pursuing your passion, then I don't think you need the additional time if you're doing what you love. Um, but I don't know, what, what would you choose? I like I honestly...
0: Um, I think I'm it's interested. a very difficult question to be fair. Um, I, I guess that will base it on location. Say, for example, if I were to be in London, Mm-hmm. I would definitely have to choose money and music. Music is always a constant I wouldn't really remove it. Mm-hmm. And money is because I need to keep my fridge full. Yeah. You know, that's very important. Like exactly. I can have all the time in the world but if I'm hungry I'm doing nothing. So, yeah. However if I, if I was in a country like I know Bali or I was in, you know, one of these really cheap uh islands somewhere in the I don't know middle of the ocean, I would just Stay with money and music. Like mm-hmm. you need no, no, no money in those places. Like you can just climb a tree, eat a coconut, and then you're happy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that so, would be that would be amazing. <laughs> I <think> that, eh? <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I would I would keep myself flexible in that in that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. So next question I've got for you is uh, who's someone you trust?
1: Um, I think I mean most of my close friends and family. Uh, I'd say i can trust um i'm quite a trusting person and trust is quite important to me um to be you know to to get into my inner circle i guess mm-hmm. um so i I pretty much would trust anyone that i'm close to um but and uh, yeah uh i the only in fact the only people that i wouldn't really trust is just, you know cold callers telling me that i can claim ppi or that i've been in an accident that wasn't <laughs> yeah. my fault um but you know i like i'm <laughs> i'm willing uh and open to trusting anyone I, I like i like to expect the best out of people uh and yeah. not that they're always going to try and you know screw you over yeah
0: no fair enough um it's really funny you mentioned those cold calls because just before this interview I got one of these calls oh. said, "Oh, we had, you had a car accident." I was it's thinking, always, "It's always, it's Yeah, that. but I don't even have a driving license.
1: Yeah, that's what I've told them so many times. <laughs> it doesn't. It, you'd think that they'd update or change their strategy, and they'd be like, "Okay, right, he he can't drive, so we'll try and get him on the PPI stuff. We'll try and yeah. get, him on, we'll try and get him on something else." But yeah, like they keep calling about a car accident. I'm like, man, I don't drive either. Like, yeah, like. <laughs>
0: Especially, you live in London. You need no car. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Well, um. Anyways, two more questions. One is, what's something you look forward to?
1: Uh, well, in in general, in yeah, in, in
0: general. Time, let's say for this year. Uh, this just to year. Just keep it a bit in a short, short term. Uh, what's something that yeah. you look forward to.
1: I mean it's wishful thinking, but um the first pint at uh the first live <laughs> show back um would nice. be amazing. Uh or just exploring a new city again would be lovely. Um that's some yeah, that's definitely two things I really look forward to. Nice. So either, you know, getting out of
0: your house or getting drunk.
1: Yeah well uh that's just <laughs> so a lot about getting you drunk in the right place uh you know at, at a live nice. show in a good atmosphere uh um, yeah. even in a crowded pub uh with with like nice people around you new people to mm. talk to um nice. but yeah i've had enough of you know drinking drinking <laughs> bottles of wine stuck in my living room it's uh, it's getting it's getting dull yeah. now <laughs> Okay cool so then last question for you is what's the best thing
0: about being a music supervisor
1: um, meeting other passionate people um, who love music is is definitely up there. Um, but placing something once you get something synced that you genuinely love, mm-hmm. um, there's probably no better feeling than that. Because um, I think almost all music supervisors have like a white whale kind of track. Yeah. Um, like something that they've always wanted to place, and it, but it never gets picked up. Uh, and I, I'm yet to experience that level of like catharsis of like getting mm-hmm. something like that placed. But even placing something that you just really believe suits and elevates a campaign or a project mm-hmm. is a super satisfying feeling. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say that and, uh, and the connections and the people you meet.
0: So, what, what's a song that will make you feel like that? Have you got one of those?
1: Ooh. That's a really good question as well. Yeah, um, I'd love to place like since I left you by the avalanches would be phenomenal, okay. but I think that would be a licensing nightmare. Um, with all the samples <laughs> and stuff, uh, I just think, uh, it would be a difficult one to to pitch out and uh probably a lot of work on on that side to get it mm-hmm. across the line. But you know, again, I that's that's kind of the point of, uh of being a supervisor is if you love it you're going to put in the work for it so mm. uh something like that would be awesome um there's a couple of cover versions that i've got uh tucked away that i think are like really obscure um exciting cover versions which uh and, and cover versions are good things to get sync to like people yeah. want them a lot of the time so mm. i'm hoping one day soon that uh that they'll uh they'll be picked up by someone uh but yeah i've got like a whole playlist i'm just i've just opened it now i've got a playlist of about 300 tracks that i'm like one day these will be placed i'm gonna nice. find a home for these tracks <laughs> <laughs> well wow, that's a lot of tracks actually yeah well i think i think there's probably people out there that have even longer ones it, that right. but uh yeah it's it's uh a super satisfying feeling so uh you're always chasing that kind of feeling as a supervisor yeah
0: okay cool um okay so let's move on to to the main part so the um, the purpose of this chat is uh trying to understand from your perspective what the prospects of um music uh is in particular sync music is for this year so you know there's the danger of you know another year with little to no live performances mm-hmm. so you know sync is something that you know probably a lot of people are going to be going towards. So Mm -hmm. the market is going to be probably busier than it's been before. And there's going to be loads of competition and stuff. So um, I guess my first question here is what do you think um, the sync market looks like? You know, right now you just set up your own thing. So is it a good time for companies to move towards sync and you know, are they going to be more successful? or are musicians also going to be successful or is there too much competition for musicians compared to companies? What's your, what's your insight there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think you're definitely right. It's going to certainly be more competitive. Um, mm. and without live music sync is probably the best possible way to market yourself as a, mm-hmm. as a musician or an artist. Um, I quite a natural replacement to live music as well, I mm-hmm. think because, for artists and for rights holders like there's a give and take element to it where you're able to showcase something you'll showcase yourself and your music um as well as getting paid for doing it mm-hmm. um so it's just like you know putting on a show people paying to come and see you and you get to showcase yourself um as opposed to like other areas which are more uh more expensive or time consuming and you feel like you're not getting much back so mm-hmm. that's definitely what makes sync a competitive field but uh yeah, it, it it's a great time for sync. I mean for companies and musicians alike. Uh it's a particularly good time for them to collaborate, I think. And musicians should look to some supervision agencies and some sync reps and uh, help them cast their net wider, you know. Uh, rather than fighting the fight alone, it's always better to team up with some supervisors. Um, <laughs> in my biased yeah. opinion, but uh, this this could be a really great time for rising artists too. Um, in my opinion, it's a great opportunity to give smaller talent a chance to get bigger placements and platforms to you know showcase their talents uh, and their sound. But it's always going to be competitive, and that's just the nature of of the sync business, uh, whether you're a sync company or a musician, you're always up against someone. Uh, so, equally, I uh, I foresee that you'll probably be competing against some of the biggest artists in the game as well, um, because I think brand partnerships are going to become a, a lot more prevalent this year. Um, kind of like what the weekend did, where he launched Blinding Lights off the back of a Mercedes collaboration. Um, and this was even before coronavirus kicked off. I think that a lot of major labels um, are going to take inspiration from that uh, and try and compete in that space, um, taking Sync as an opportunity to promote new albums um, and help launch new records with, with without touring. And uh, I think this is just what a lot of independent artists and labels should also be looking at and thinking about doing this year, just using sync as a tool to get a leg up against your competition
0: yeah um so you mentioned about um you know smaller artists are up-and-coming artists so now i guess what's um, a difficult one is convincing a brand that this song goes well so again you know I'm guessing the creative teams within advertising companies, they, they would go for songs that they already know just for familiarity or to make it easier if they've got the budget, of course. So what what is a good selling point for a small artist um, to compete in you know the pitching process? So I'm guessing that advertising companies will not support an artist just for the sake of supporting. There's always a win-win that they want to see. So what's a, what's a good selling point for an up-and-coming artist during that pitching process?
1: Yeah... Um that's a good question uh it's tricky and it's aggravating because a lot of brands and uh, agencies will just default to well-known artists with an established fan base um and i don't foresee big brands like mercedes for instance picking up a total unknown um if you're an independent artist you know data talks these days if you've got figures from social media or data to support why this partnership's going to be a good and beneficial partnership for the people involved. I mean that that's really going to be the deal breaker. But um for smaller artists in terms of what will make you stand out and what's a good selling point. Um I think it's just passion. You know, if if you form a clear idea of the areas of sync that you want to get into, um are you someone who wants to be more narrative focused or someone who wants to be aligned to fashion ads and video content or cars and sports commercials, I mean it's easier to tackle being concise uh, than it is trying to fit into everything and trying to do everything Um, and it helps supervisors know as well where to push you um, and what areas that are best suited to you, I mean it's generally the composers that say that they can do everything that get forgotten when certain briefs appear because you don't think of them immediately and you don't they don't have a specific identity that you place them with you know um but actually one one of the problems i kind of foresee this year is an over commodification of artists and of music like artists don't necessarily always want their identity tied up with a brand. So just for the sake of making more money, you don't want to sell out before you even start. You know, many artists don't feel comfortable tying their art and their expression into a campaign just simply to sell a product for for someone else. Um, so particularly if it's a song with personal meaning, music is music at the end of the day, and it's not just a marketing tool. So you have to always ensure what you're signing up for aligns with your vision and make sure that your team, whether that's managers or sync reps, they just understand you and where you're being pitched and making sure that that's in the right places. And if your passion and vision align to a campaign or a project, I mean, that's really where you'll stand out in a pitch. Yeah. Okay. No,
0: I think that's a very fair point. So um, I'm guessing that... You know, at the end of the day, for smaller artists, something that's going to be more important is not not just the quality of the music, but I guess that the entire package. Yeah, right. I, so, I, I, I definitely what, think so. What else they can they can offer and stuff. So, in terms of um, when you know, if an artist wants to partner with a music supervisor, would you recommend that they first need to you know get the whole package together? And what would that mean for say? composers because composers usually don't have that sort of mm-hmm. you know mainstream image and you know not a lot of the time composers that make music for sync have that sort of you know fan engagement i'd say so what what is the difference then for up-and-coming artists and composers and then what is the balance there do you do you think that composers will have less opportunities coming up or do you think it's going to be more towards artists having a bit more strength because they've got more of a you know package between you know having fan engagement and stuff what, what 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 do you think that
1: so i think it's actually quite the opposite that composers are still going to always come out on top because uh, mm. uh that advice that i just gave was mainly uh focused at artists that are you know looking for a label deal looking to further their uh artist career yeah. Uh if you're someone who wants to just make a, mu- uh, a living off of making music and being a composer and composing for visual media you're still going to end up taking more of the uh more of the opportunities I'd say mm-hmm. because a lot of brands like I said aren't comfortable with uh attaching someone who isn't recognizable to a to their brand. Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of the time if you're just someone who wants to write the music behind the scenes, um, it, it, you can still have your artist uh, persona and project. Um, and I think this is this kind of ties into something else that I was hoping to bring up, uh, mm-hmm. that you should try and write as much as you can. Um, in whatever style, if it's not aligned with your personal passion project, it really mm. doesn't matter. You can do that under a different name. You can keep it separate. And I think uh having a variety of different stuff and putting it out there and seeing what sticks is is really helpful so i think if you are someone who is looking to be an artist looking to be a touring artist with a visual aesthetic and with a with a style and uh you know all of that do composition on the side as well
0: mm-hmm. do
1: like because that can pay towards building that uh, image Um, most of the time i think the music does most of the talking so Mm. if you're a composer and you can adapt your style to what the brief requires of you you're you're always going to come out on top rather than sort of being someone who's so fixed to their personal uh, project Mm. that they're inflexible and yep. like I said, people don't like selling out. You don't you shouldn't sell out if you have a, like an image and uh, a project that you care about, you shouldn't have to sell out just for the sake of making a living. So doing something under a different name or doing something uh, in a different style mm-hmm. uh, that you think can sell um, on the side, I, I'd always say do that And I, I, in that case. I think uh composers will always stand up strong. Having some range and mm-hmm. uh removing the ego from the music is always a good way to go. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that that's a very
0: good point. Just, you know, having a bit <clears throat> a bit more of a diversified list of products to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, instead of just trying to push too much for existing music is also having a, a plan b which is still having extra music that can be placed mm-hmm. and instead of being called set White you can be called purple teletubby yeah and exactly. then it can just be 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 generating money and then keep support. an eye out for the purple
1: teletubby yeah right EP coming later this year
0: <laughs> what was the name um what's it called tinky winky yeah there
1: you go um <laughs> But anyways, uh, I like how how you look at me and you think tinky winky. (laughs) Uh, It really says a lot. (laughs) Well, um, anyway,
0: so uh, talking about advertising, um, I think that a question that I'd like to ask you is about what you think uh, is going to happen. So before we we start recording, we spoke about the fact that there's a bit of a danger of uh, certain advertising companies or brands moving the budget that they have for music onto you know getting a celebrity to be the face of the brand and then just reducing the the music budget and go directly to you know uh cheaper uh, music libraries so do you think that that's something that is going to be happening and what do you think that would mean for music creators
1: yeah so uh i mean 2020 was a great year for production music libraries um Mm. and they're an extremely important part of the sync process and the sync world um but they are the main contention for independent labels and and composers as well um because budgets have been affected by the pandemic and like you said yeah there has been a focus on uh the visual uh a lot more now uh, that's where mm-hmm. the budgets have to go to because unfortunately yeah. music is the first thing to fall to the wayside when it comes to these kind of projects um it's all too easy for people to default to a production music library it's often a little bit more efficient for them because they can search themselves fire things out and things are on a rate card um, mm-hmm. so they know exactly how much it's gonna cost. They don't have to have these days of waiting for quotes and uh hearing back from both of the rights holders mm-hmm. um so it it's definitely more effort to put in the multiple rounds of music searches of lesser known artists and smaller composers and um and getting that across but personally I think it's it's so much more unique and it's it's a it's a chance this year to really give these musicians and these smaller artists a chance because mm-hmm. they're they're flexible uh, i mean that being said many labels as well major labels and independent labels they understand the constraints of the pandemic and they've been very flexible when it comes to budgets as well um and i'm sure that a&r online has been booming this year mm-hmm. so uh definitely keep an eye out and keep promoting yourself online because you never know who's going to hear it. And then maybe labels will be able to plug you. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing is production music is equally a great opportunity for musicians as well. If you can't beat them, join them. Uh, they <laughs> are, they are really great to their composers. If you can write in a wide range of styles, like I was just saying, mm-hmm. um, it might not be as lucrative as a direct sync deal. um. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking to get your like royalties uh, across you know many years as well, get in touch with some production music libraries, start writing for them as well. Um, so you never know, you might end up being like pitching against yourself yeah. one day, <laughs> where you it's one of your production music library tracks up against one of your bespoke your music cat- tracks. Yeah. Um, so that they are a competitive market and it's totally understandable that. Big productions are putting more of their money into the visual and defaulting to the production music library like, because the quality of production music is better than ever, really. Mm-hmm. Um. So just, just think about a way around it. Don't feel defeated by it. You can, you can be flexible and compete. You can mm-hmm. also join them, join them, yep. help them out, uh, and. I know for a fact that there's lots of ARs with production music still looking for more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they've been inundated with emails across this yeah. year, um, but it's definitely worth it. You you know it's yeah. it's never it's don't don't be defeated by it. Definitely mm-hmm. go out there and search. And there's so many to choose from as well. So many to be a part of um, that. It's 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 worth it for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. okay so let's tie this up to the work that you do so mm-hmm. um in terms of finding music or sending briefs or working with certain writers or looking for music what is your criteria so do you go for you know both you know already established um writers and composers or do you also you know try and get in touch with uh smaller writers uh, to you know be able to give that opportunity And um, the second part of the question is do you go for the smaller ones when there's budget limitations or when you truly believe in the smaller artists? Hmm. Uh,
1: Again, it's case by case. Okay. Um, But it can certainly be a, a big factor in terms of who the artist is. Do they have an established fan base? Mm -hmm. but the music really does most of the talking um and the brand and the client always have a final say um the brief rules everything and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we are consultants um and we can pitch and make a strong case for our personal opinion and throw some out-of-the-box ideas and some smaller artists at the client um and you know a lot of the time you'd like to hope that uh that saving money and giving a smaller artist a chance mm-hmm. um, would would rule, and they would take that any day. They're saving money, they're giving an opportunity to someone smaller, and the track still hits the brief. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's certain clients and there's certain campaigns that really do just require something that is recognizable.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so the favor is usually on the side of the music uh, rather than who the artist is but it really does depend on the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think me as a supervisor, I'll always try and put a, a wide range of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, because I, like I said earlier, it, it's a great feeling when you play something that you love. So I'll mm-hmm. always throw in stuff that's maybe slightly outside of the box on the brief mm-hmm. and someone that maybe the general public wouldn't have heard of that much. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, it always comes down to approvals as well. So you can find an artist that you think is brilliant and like Mm. small, and this would be a really good chance for them to break. But if they're an artist that doesn't want to be associated with that brand, they have the final say and they might just be like, look, I don't, I don't actually want this opportunity. Mm. Um, So uh, it's a good thing to do a wide range of stuff. Um, So uh, as a small as a small and independent artist, I would always recommend that um, you try and find someone who's, you know, mm-hmm. looking out for you on the sync side because yeah. you, there's many opportunities that will co- like come up. You might be pitching against some of the biggest artists in the world. Mm-hmm. You might be up against yeah. them, but you know, it really does depend on the client and the creative uh, behind the whole project. So, um, and I'm, and I'm hoping that, uh, that you know, it, it it like this year, the uh, creatives and brands are going to get more more mm-hmm. creative. Um, because yeah, the one thing I don't want to see is uh in 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 the kind of way that Jeff Bezos and some of like the most wealthy men in the world have gotten yeah. even richer during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, it, it's likely that some of these artists are just going to you know take all the sync opportunities um uh, mm. and they'll all go flooding into the same place so i think it would be great uh if uh supervisors and sync agents and brands producers creatives everyone thinks a little bit more outside the box and tries to mm-hmm. partner with someone yeah someone who's developing yeah. i think would be a great thing to do Okay. Um,
0: I'm guessing that this also will differ from brief to brief and opportunity to opportunity, but from your experience, what what genre um, have you had more success placing? Is there any particular genre of music that, you know, you've had more opportunities with or it's a bit, you know, a, a, a wide range of
1: yeah i mean uh it it is a wide range because anything can crop up uh Mm. i have seen some odd briefs in my time uh and yeah and then there's some that do recur a bit more so contemporary classical um and modern but yet with a traditional edge is something that everyone wants uh they're always saying something like uh it needs to feel like classic but it like has something innovative to it. Uh, mm. I hear that a lot of the time. So if, you, if you're if you a composer or an artist that you think can strike the balance between those two extremes in like a unique way, um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good place to be. And you're probably, you know, very syncable. Nice. Um, ambient and um, sound design stuff is super important. Mm-hmm. um if you're well versed in sound design, that's so helpful to be mm-hmm. uh in your repertoire as a composer and um then there's like crunchy bass driven pop rock tracks always do well uh and anthemic kind of powerful drums and like chanting and stuff uh Mm -hmm. there's a reason that kanye west's power always gets placed it's like 10 years on now and it's still everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so something that kind of captures that same kind of feeling and energy uh not necessarily the same style but something anthemic and like powerful like that is always sought after as well
0: cool Um, Okay. Um. And then let's take it back to you. Just have a couple more questions. Sure. So back to you. What um. What would a successful year look for you? What 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 does a successful year mean to you? Uh.
1: Ooh, what What do you mean in terms of so in
0: success? Terms, in um, terms of. So now, what, now that you've what, set up your 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 own uh, um business Mm -hmm. so a would a year mean a successful year mean that you got you know a certain number of placements or does it more to do with the fact that you've managed to partner up with one big artist big composer or what what is one key goal that you've got that would just turn this year into a successful one
1: okay um yeah great question um for me it's not really about um you know notoriety a lot of the time um mm-hmm. for for me i i'm i'm still young within the industry and really mm-hmm. want to do the most creative stuff uh, that i can yeah so um i guess you're you're on the right lines with assuming that it would be you know getting a like an artist a placement a smaller artist placement on like a big campaign compa- mm. like pairing up with someone who's uh, exciting uh that would be you know great for me uh-huh. um but at the same time um i really just want to be meeting more people uh, i want to be meeting more people some younger people as well in the industry mm-hmm. uh helping them out in any way that they can growing together building relationships um and that's a big part of what i do i mentioned earlier that i'm i'm uh, part of our freelance work is not just our own work we work closely with other music supervision agencies lending a helping hand, and just building relationships there as well, helping them you know uh getting my point of view and my you know unique approach to sync
0: um,
1: mm. out there a bit more uh anything like that would be successful to me um and yeah, also what I touched on earlier. Is uh, is encouraging creatives and brands to think outside the box. If, if I could do that with just one campaign, uh, nice. I'd consider it a success.
0: Okay. So, um, one last question that I've got for you is um, you know, we already spoke about some of the things that are going to be happening, um, and you already touched on some of the opportunities and uh, at the same time as some of the competition that there's going to be. But just to wrap it up from your point of view, what is one key opportunity that there's going to be uh, coming up this year for uh, within music supervision
1: sure um so i i mentioned that we are focused on independent productions i think if you're a composer if you're an artist that really wants to get out there um don't jump the gun. Don't expect everything all at once. You might have mm-hmm. to build up from the bottom. So start yep. talking to independent productions. If you're a composer, start talking to short filmmakers and start composing scores for these short films. Mm-hmm. Um, animation's is a great place to go, especially during a pandemic. It's constantly uh, moving forward. It might be slower in production, but it's still in production. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a great place to look. Uh, Video games as well, talking to video games developers and getting in touch with music supervisors that work within games and specialize within games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking to people like that is a great opportunity. Uh, And then the other thing is sonic branding. Um, A lot of composers overlook. It is a very uh, specialized area of composition where you're Mm -hmm. good at writing melody and uh, melodies that can be extracted into mnemonics and audio logos for instance but uh that's a really good way to go it's quite competitive but you it's it's super satisfying and if you th- if you b- believe in the brand as well it's mm. it's super great to you just immerse yourself in the brand personality and try and you know craft a sound that captures that brand personality um because sonic branding again is something that is still going on um where ads are a little bit more volatile and films are a little bit more volatile um looking into some some kind of forms of music and composition Mm -hmm. that seem a bit more solid um, and i those would be my recommendations for the kind of things i think oh and i guess it's technically not music supervision but it's like the loosest of connections to sync. Again, going back to if you're an artist and you're looking to promote yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as much as it might sound ridiculous, and uh, I mean, everyone's talking about it, but TikTok is genuinely becoming a really excellent way to market your music. Mm-hmm. Um, the boy boy West Coast bottoms up at the <laughs> club. If you've heard that <laughs> is yeah one of the worst songs i've ever heard and it's got over 21 million streams yeah so uh don't come off too desperate in trying to make it happen but if you Mm -hmm. think you've written a fun pop song that's really catchy and might catch on um there's no harm in trying to get it across there um and just trying to get it synced across some of the videos on that platform it would Mm -hmm. be uh pretty good marketing um but, yeah, that that's that's more in terms of marketing your own music rather yeah. than, you know, syncing composition. But I thought it would be worth mentioning. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: okay, cool. Um, let's um, now uh, close the interview with a um, uh, few more tips from you. So uh, have you got any top tip for music composers or music makers? Yeah,
1: um I mentioned earlier just about you know writing uh as much as you can under different names uh not worrying about if it's totally in line with what you want to be as an artist mm. um so i just I, I seriously recommend just writing under pseudonyms and and, and you know seeing what resonates with people mm-hmm. um But the other thing is never throw out old concepts. I think the amount of times that it's plausible to rework something that you've written on and maybe fallen out of love with, Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of composers I've spoken to that have stuff just sat uh, that can often get synced. Like ads can sometimes be 30 seconds long. If it's just a 30-second long concept, Mm -hmm. you can still try and make money off of that. You know, never throw it away. You'll be surprised just how much things can come back into relevance. Mm-hmm. because uh trend is cyclical you know something mm-hmm. something might be in for a bit and then just disappear if no one wants it uh but you never know five years time it might come back again mm-hmm. um so that's definitely one thing i would recommend and just the other thing is always offer something unique um and market yourself uniquely mm-hmm. um speaking from experience of receiving hundreds of submissions emails uh it's really hard to stand out and music supervisors are often really busy bouncing between briefs and Mm -hmm. um admin all sorts so on the rare occasions that they do get to sit down and actually like listen to some stuff um you want it to be clear and concise so having genreed playlists with only a few of your best tracks in each you don't want to overload the emails with too much stuff Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing is just fonts like i sometimes i still get comic sans in an email and it's just like you're you're wanting to be taken seriously as a composer and you're yeah. writing in you know child child <laughs> font um so uh, as as stupid and as common sense as it might be just make sure you actually think through your emails just just dotting out like a line of just like hey i'm looking to write uh, like i'm looking to get into sync is not the most eye-catching thing you don't want to overload it with information either you just got to strike the right balance of being concise and clear uh and professional and Mm -hmm. uh i think that that's a really good way to go and yeah of course within the sound when i'm saying you market yourself uniquely um if you've got a unique uh touch you can add to each of your pieces across loads of different genres whether Mm -hmm. that's uh you know, having some textured like vocals in the background, yeah. um, just just showcasing something unique that you can put a spin on any project, um, mm. is also really really helpful. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Seb. Thank you. Marcel. Thanks so much
0: for the for the insights, for you know your good vibes and. Um... Yeah, thanks so much again for for being make, making time for the show.
1: Yeah, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cool.
0: And um, well, that's that's it for today. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. My name is Alex, and we'll see you again next week.